The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. To find out more about the network's mission and other members, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. When Canadians travel in groups, women are the more likely group members to have done the research and to have made the difficult travel decisions. For heterosexual Canadian couples like Jocelyn and Mike in the last episode, some of this seems to ring true. Most travelers do some kind of online research when they're thinking of a vacation or trip, of course, usually perusing sites like TripAdvisor. According to one survey, about 56% of Canadians do more than just plan. They also book flights, accommodations, and activities. Very few of us use travel agents these days. Even booking hotels and resorts is less common since services like Airbnb and VRBO have become a huge part of the lives of not only Canadian travelers, but travelers around the world. We're going to hear a bit about that right now. Join me as we reconnect with Jocelyn and Mike in part two of their Central and South American adventure on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. In our last episode, you met Mike and Jocelyn, two Canadian parents who saved up their money to take six months off with their two kids and travel to Central and South America. In the first part, we talked about all the planning that went into their voyage, and now it's time for the voyage itself. So you, you asked, what did we do to prepare them? A lot of it was um, saying, yes, we're going on this big trip, but first we're going to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, that would work on me. Yeah, it was it was a natural fit. Like it was it was on our way down. We it was going to be um, we would need a stopover anyways. It's it's a long way to get to uh, Nicaragua, which was our first stop. Um, so it uh, it was a natural natural stop for us and gave a kind of a nice bookend, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. Your last taste of North America. <laughs> exactly. Um, go on those... Opulence. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, here's grandeur. some super-sized fries. Here's, yeah. here's some ridiculous extravagance. Now we're going to eat like normal people. Now we're going to go to Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah. And eat bean soup, yeah. which is like water and beans. <laughs> mm, it's It sounds delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, there is also hunks of raw onion. <laughs> raw onion and yes. soup. Boy, uh, we're, we're definitely going to talk about the food. So from, from California... You probably, what, did you spend a day kind of overnight? Two and a half, two and a half days uh, in Dis- Disneyland. Okay. That's great. Yep. They'll never need to go there again. Exactly. Never, ever, never. never. <laughs> they, they might, we don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can only imagine. And then the journey to uh, Managua, or no, it was... Managua. Leon. Yep. Okay. We, we, we landed in Managua and then traveled uh, to Leon was uh, where we stayed. How long was the, the entire journey from North America to Nicaragua? 24 hours. Wow. Planes, trains, automobiles. Yeah. And so we, we fly, we flew from California to Dallas and then Dallas to Managua. We, our flight was delayed. So we ended up getting into Managua at about 10 p.m. And we had a shuttle booked for us. And so they picked us up. Actually, our son um, had a complete 
meltdown in the customs lineup oh, where no. he's lying on the floor face down pounding his fists because he can't walk anymore because he's too tired sure <laughs> it was I, awesome i've had that feeling yeah before. yeah airports <laughs> do that to people yeah they do yeah. and so the people that picked us up the woman you know knelt down reached out her arms and said chico pequeño chico and so of course he's now in her arms and half he, asleep. he didn't care who she yeah. was all he knew is that someone was going to pick me up and i didn't have to walk that's great so we we load into this van with no seats in the back <laughs> so we just sort of sat sort of on these they didn't have seat belts or anything and we just laid our kids on our lap and you know that was our first taste of non-north -Amer non america it was a very awkward ride because we didn't really speak a lick of Spanish and our driver no. spoke no English. Oh, boy. So we, we, we tried and we were exhausted as well. And, we, we, you know, our brains weren't at 100% capacity. I had my little guidebook out and, <laughs> you know, took 15 minutes to piece together the sentence. My son is very tired, which was really obvious because he was already asleep. <laughs> <laughs> now, so this shuttle picks you up. And, and tell me a little bit about the way you guys manage your accommodations. Because, I mean, the, the sh it's funny because the, the title of the show is the expats but this is this is more i mean you were living abroad for half a year but you were never really staying in one place for an exceedingly long time so w that first place you stayed what what was the deal uh the first place we stayed was actually our longest stay it was uh, a homestay and so we uh had arranged for three weeks of homestay at uh with a family and so it was uh a grandmother um, her daughter and her daughter's husband and their two-year-old son. And uh, so we stayed with them. And it was kind of a, a section of an old colonial villa. Cool. From, from the, you know, the 1500s, right? It was, wow. it was enormous. Uh, but it was only a section of it. And uh, so we stayed there for three weeks. And they cooked, cooked for us. And their son entertained our kids. And, you know, they, of course, didn't have a, li a lick of language between the, the three of them. But they, uh, you know, they're kids. And they, they made it work. They know the language of Lego. That's right. right. Yeah, Lego and a soccer ball. Right. That's great. And this sounds like the ideal way to really immerse yourself in the language, too. We took 60 hours of Spanish lessons at a nearby Spanish school. Okay. So the, we booked the homestay and the Spanish classes all in one package. And it was a phenomenal experience where we really went from zero to... Well, I don't want to say 25, 25 kilometers we, an hour. So. We, we left talking like cavemen, like me, big, hungry. All present tense. You know, me need food where go. <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh, that's great. And and did it obviously help you communicate with this family a little bit or, or was it still mostly charades? No, you know, it was really neat to talk to this family. Nicaragua had a recent... Um, bloody dictatorship that and there was a big revolution in the late 70s and the the scars of it are very much still apparent and so as our language progressed we were able to talk with this family about what that the revolution meant to them and and how they went through it so the the grandmother lived through it the her daughter was born after the revolution and in our Spanish classes, they also talked quite a bit about what, what it was like for Nicaraguans and how Nicaragua is different now than it was then. Uh, one, big, one big change 
actually is the literacy level. So before the, the revolution, only about 20% of Nicaraguans were literate, and now it's about 80%. Wow. And so it's really changed the information that they can consume and the conversations that they can have about what's right for them. It, it, um, the the family, we, were able, we had enough Spanish to really get into this, and I think that was one of the most, I think, formative experience for us in Latin America is to be able to connect with this family and learn what it was like to be them. Sounds like it sounds like Nicaragua really set the tone for for some of the trip, like being immersed in this culture that had undergone dramatic change, yep. learning a language, learning 25 percent of a language. Yeah. Um, what uh, what was the country like? What were the people other than this family? What, what was it like? It was a country that had had a hard, um, a hard life. Um, so we 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 spent three weeks in Costa Rica or in in a in, in Nicaragua, and we did a little bit of travel around Leon, where we were staying. I uh, did weekend trips and, and things like that, um, and we traveled down to Ometepe in, in Lake Nicaragua. And as soon as we crossed the border into Costa Rica, we saw the difference between a country that had had um, extreme hardships and a country that had had a peaceful, you know, history. Yeah, um, they had trees. You know, just right across the border, it was forested. It was lush and green and you know they hadn't had to cut down all their trees for firewood and and uh and cash crops and things like that um another example is clubfoot where in nicaragua you would see quite a few people with clubfoot mm-hmm. and i actually was born with clubfoot but it was corrected with a cast yeah and when we went into costa rica you no longer saw that anymore where it was fairly common in nicaragua so obviously still recovering from this sort of brutal regime and still developing too. Yeah. What was the landscape like? You mentioned a lot of clear cutting uh, that you saw. Was it was it desert? Was it beach? Like, what was it like? Um, it was very arid. Um, we we were there in the dry season as well, so that didn't you know that that affected how we saw things. But um, we we were near the beach, so we would take the the local uh, colloquial named uh, chicken bus to to the beach. And uh, no chickens you were, were seen, by the way. The, okay. The, the the kids always got a seat, but uh, sorry, parents, you're you're gonna have to stand. So it was packed full. Yeah. You know, you know, on buses though, they'll get as many people from the front doors to the back, and then people stop moving back, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just open up the back doors of these old school buses, these old you know American Bluebird school buses, and pack people on the back. Wow. And. Uh, and so yeah, we visited the beach a couple times, uh, and again, not, you know, you, you can see the difference between just, you know, three hundred kilometers south in Costa Rica, uh, the difference in the infrastructure, you know, the, the highways, the you know, pave, the pavement, and the, the size of the roads and streetlights, streetlights, and you know, any wow. infrastructure um, really was uh, was was lacking in in Nicaragua and. Uh, it was really uh it really did set the tone for um set the standard for for what we were to to see coming forward and we we kind of thought about that when we planned the trip too you know we 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 thought about that you know ending up in in a in a much poorer place is going to be harder than uh starting out there and and moving up yeah did you was there any point during your time in Nicaragua where you felt unsafe at all it's funny you should ask that because there was only one moment in our trip when we felt unsafe and 
It was in Nicaragua, but it had absolutely nothing to do with Nicaragua at all. Oh, okay. Um, we were walking down a street, and we'd, we'd actually gotten off the chicken bus. Well, no, sorry. We got off the, the transit, which was a pickup truck with a tarp stretched over it. And so we were piled in the back of the tri- pickup truck, and then you thump on the window when you think it's your stop. But because we couldn't see out of the tarp, we'd gotten off... I don't know, 10 or 15 blocks early, we just had gotten turned around as to where we are. So we got off this bus and we were walking towards where we thought our home was. Oh dear. <laughs> and there, we saw this fellow walking on the street and he was sort of staggering around and yelling randomly. And there were some signs leaning up against a building and he chucked them onto the street and was throwing things. So he, he was intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And so I it had nothing to do with where we were. And, we were walking faster than him because he had a lot of lateral movements and we were more (laughs) (laughs) forward-based. And so we decided we would cross the street and pass him. And as we are just about to pass him, he bends down to pick something up and I look and I realize that he's got a rock in his hand and in his other hand, he's got a slingshot. And so he's got rocks, slingshot in his hand, and I've seen him throw things at, at cars and stuff that have gone by. And then he he looks at us and makes eye contact. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, here I am, a very easy target. Um, and so what we did is we just hustled. We, we looked away and hustled and moved the kids so that our bodies were in between the man and, and the kids. And luckily he didn't he didn't throw anything at us, and so it was fine. But that was the only time when we felt scared. Aside from that, we it, it, we called it the kid shield, where it's like they roll out a red carpet for anyone with kids, you know, traveler or not. Yeah. And the Latin American culture really loves kids and really takes care of them. And so we found that we got extra special care everywhere we went from people who wanted to talk to us about how old our kids were and, you know, look at those beautiful blue eyes and, you know, oh, they have glasses, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and so aside from that one moment, we felt very safe. And I mean, that can happen in downtown Edmonton. Exactly. exactly. That, so yeah. it had nothing to do with the location. It just was the wrong place and the wrong drunk guy. The only the only other time that I would um, describe as being unsafe is any time crossing the street. <laughs> Yes, because of traffic. Apart from Chile, every other um, culture that we experienced in South America, Central South America, was pedestrians watch out. Yeah. Right? Like, there was was no semblance of, of, um, you know, right of way for pedestrians. So, it was was a bit terrifying at times. Um, I did leap out of the way of a bus. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's insane. Little penguin slide. But at the same time, there's, you know... in some places there weren't any traffic lights so you just kind of made your way across at whatever time sometimes there were traffic lights and they were just not obeyed sure so you know the they they by the sorry by the pedestrians you know there were there were walk signals and and um i don't know i guess you get eight million people in a city and people just need to get places and you know you see there's no traffic coming you just go right And, and that was just standard it wasn't jaywalking as we would consider it here so uh you spend three weeks Right in Nicaragua, yep. and then you, as as you mentioned, Michael, you traverse into Costa Rica. Yep, we uh, made a land crossing on my birthday. Wow, happy happy belated birthday! <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> land uh, land crossings. Our uh, son threw up. Are oh. not uh, are not the most fun things. W- what was that process like? Um, we took a 
we were in Ometepe, which is on, uh, in Lake Nicaragua, a giant lake in kind of southern Nicaragua, borders right on the edge of uh, Costa Rica. And uh, we took a, a taxi, sorry, we took, we took our Airbnb host in Nicaragua, which is a new thing down there. This is, this is really big. How we'll cool. Talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But um, he, he drove us to the ferry where we boarded the ferry, um, took us across to the mainland. Vomit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, inevitably. Um, oh, and then we kid. took a taxi, um, took a taxi right to the border. Uh, we were going to take a taxi to the bus, but our kids were still pretty green coming off of the ferry. So we decided that the 11 American dollars that it was going to cost for the hour long car ride was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. W- were you guys okay on the ferry? Yes. You have your sea legs? I had medication <laughs> that only adults can take. <laughs> Oh man, the poor kids. Yeah, no, so bad. He, uh, you know, just this is a small tangent, but one of our friends suggested we bring freezer bags for our motion sick child, and we burned through like a Costco pack of them. And I would recommend to any parents who are traveling to bring freezer sized Ziploc bags because yeah. it's the right size to fit a child's head in and then you zip it up and you can chuck it without getting it everywhere wow that's that's very smart yeah very practical so we took the taxi to the border um this was a this these were our first days on our own right we, we were fresh out of out of our homestay where we were kind of babysat you know our training wheels were off and our first border crossing you know our first you know all this stuff in spanish and so we uh, have to haul all of our gear. We had. We're in this our, lineup. I'm going to interrupt. Okay. And our son announces, "I have to go poop." <laughs> in English or in Spanish? English. English. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that was actually one of the things we had to get used to coming back was that everyone could understand what we said, <laughs> especially our children. Um, so we we had to drag our luggage across gravel roads. You know, between there, there was kind of a no man's land between the two border. You know. Um, border buildings or the customs buildings between Nicaragua and Costa Rica and um, you know we get to the dragger our luggage across the uh, the no man's land to, to Costa Rica's uh, uh, immigration control and wait in line for what seems like an hour and it's hot and sweaty and you know there's but but again we start seeing the signs of infrastructure and you know the more uh actually just signage signage and yeah all sorts of uh life that we we, we didn't see on the other side toilets so. uh, yes oh before yes. before was we were using like squat toilet kind of things in nicaragua or no but you know a public place would not have toilets gross the things we take for granted right yeah. indeed Yeah, indeed. We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you a bit more about our sponsors, starting with the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to help create a strong, vibrant community in Edmonton for generations to come. The foundation also produces the Well Endowed podcast, which gets its name from the fact that the ECF helps donors set up endowment funds to support good works in the Edmonton community. The latest well-endowed podcast episode features a historical queer tour of Edmonton conducted by Darren Hagen. Visit thewellendowedpodcast.com to listen and subscribe or find the Well-Endowed Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Expats Through the Alberta Podcast Network is also sponsored by ATB Financial. Full disclosure, I work at ATB as their Director of Social Media Strategy. I made the move a few months ago, and I just love the people I work with, and I love the work that we do. ATB has a very deliberate and vibrant corporate culture based on what we call the 10 ATBs. Those 10 company values together guide the actions of all employees and all interactions with our fantastic customers, partners, and stakeholders. If that sounds even just a little bit interesting to you, you should visit atbcareers.com for more information and to see what opportunities there are if you're in the market for a career change or even your first job. That's atbcareers.com. Who knows? Maybe one day you and I will be colleagues. And now, on with the show. So and we then took a, a bus from uh, the, the board crossing to uh, uh, Liberia, which was where we were staying the night. So we had, you know, four four different modes of transportation that day, and um, it was it was a long day. And how long did you guys spend in Costa Rica? Five weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but traveling around to different towns, right? Yeah, we went to Monteverde, which is a cloud forest. We went there hoping to see sloths and saw none. Oh no! And then we went down to uh, sort of a northwest side of Costa Rica. Um, so the Pacific side, and we stayed with uh, four, so a, f- a family came to meet us there, okay. so my friend, her husband, and her, their two kids, and we spent two weeks on the beach, and then we went further south, and my friends left, and my parents came to visit us, and we spent another two weeks in a place called Hako, okay. uh, where we did sea sloths. <laughs> Important details about Costa Rica. Very. So um, there are sloths in Costa Rica. There are. And they are so cute. It doesn't even matter how many toes they had. Two, three, super cute. (laughs) Cool. So what came after Costa Rica? Uh, We flew from Costa Rica to Ecuador. Okay. Uh, Landed in Quito, which was uh, at a relatively high high elevation. So it was about 2,800 meters. Wow. Um, Kind of nestled in between two giant mountain ranges um, and a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, kind of old colonial... Uh, colonial city and, and we loved Quito actually I interviewed a fellow from Quito uh, probably the first dozen episodes I did and it was interesting because he he was from Calgary he moved there and I think he had he brought his children with him and they were living in gated community there so what was it like in Ecuador and Quito was was there a lot of poverty or like what was the ta- what was the city like you know Quito is actually the city that I was most worried about going to. Why is that? So if you Google safety of Quito, and you go down the Google black hole where all the, the, you know, the most terrible things that can happen to someone you can you know, see in a, a, an itemized list of all the things that will happen to you if you go to Quito. Express kidnappings being high on the list where they nab you on the street, take you to an ATM and force you to take out your your daily limit. And so I, I actually was quite nervous going there, um, but it, it was fantastic. We loved it where the people we met were really nice and um, the food we enjoyed and being in the Andes was so neat and we saw so much culture and dancing and the music was wonderful and we visited, vol- we rode a horse up, up a volcano and it, it was just such a, an amazing experience and just 
as an example of the random awesomeness of Quito, we, our first night we spent in a hostel, which was just long enough to realize that we did not want to stay in that hostel. <laughs> and so we, we quickly rented an Airbnb apartment nearby so that we could just have a little bit more privacy and not have to listen to people urinate all night. Oh, jeez. It was, yeah. Um, but across the street from the hostel was a little microbrewery. So we went there for dinner. And so we had this great local beer and we're eating these neat little sandwiches that are sort of an Ecuadorian dish and pizza. My, our kids had pizza and we, I was having this nice sandwich. And I look over and there's this sign that says Los Mon Monologes de Vagina. Uh, I think I'm mean? totally screwing that up. But it was the vagina monologues. <laughs> oh, cool. And I was like, hey, I know that. And then I read the date and the time and the location. And it was in one hour in that restaurant. No way. Yeah. So I got to see the vagina monologues in my first night in Quito. In Spanish. In Spanish. And it was fantastic. Better in Spanish than in English? Well, <laughs> you know... I was also taking high altitude meds and we were pretty high, also low oxygen. So it was uh, a very unique experience. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Fabulous. And how long did you spend in Ecuador? Ooh, it's hard to, hard to add it up. It was a month. Yeah, was March to weeks? 4th to April 4th. Okay. And yeah. not, but not always in Quito. No, we traveled from Quito. We spent about uh, nine days in Quito. We, we were originally planned for, I think, only five days. Again, because you'd heard all these horror stories. Um, but again, we extended our stay. We loved it. So we traveled from there to Banos, which is on um, the edge of the Amazon. So it's kind of the gateway to the Amazon um, within Ecuador. And it's a um, super touristy town. Um, it's named Banos, which is the word for bath. Right. Um, so it's got uh, these kind of natural hot springs, this pea soup green hot springs that kind of disconcerting but enjoyable all the same um it's got waterfalls it's got um, giant canyons and volcanoes and um, all sorts of adventure tourism and we wow. loved it we loved it sounds fabulous it was a really nice place to just hunker down for um two weeks we were there two and a half i think yeah and it was a place that peruvians and chileans and argentinians go for a weekend oh it's their band. We were the outsiders there. No way. We were, th you know, the North American tourist was the outsider there. <laughs> it was a really interesting experience having, you know, been, this, you know, and, and Chileans and Argentinians are, are slightly um, paler in, in their complexion than um, any in, in, the, in the north of South America. And mm -hmm. so we stood out a little bit less as well. And, <laughs> um, so it, it, uh, it was just a really neat, uh, really neat place. We really got to know the rhythm of the place. Um, you know, there was a Friday night party where there was a bouncy castle and this crazy train car that would take you around the whole town with pumping music and it was shaped like a dinosaur shaped like a dinosaur it was it was it was really rad it was a really neat place that sounds really really strange and fabulous yeah we we actually people who are listening to this can't see this but we bought that tapestry that's on our wall oh it's beautiful it's got these different colored fish sort of all stacked that's really lovely yeah we bought that there um, we walked past, they had lots of weavings in Ecuador and this one store had really unique ones. And so we went in there and we went in there a couple of times and chatted with the guy and he learned his trade from his parents and they make their own wool and they dye the wool and then they make the tapestries and all of the ones 
they had made. So we bought this tapestry from the guy that had, you know, spun the wool and dyed it and wove it. And so wow. it's something that is really precious to us because it's a, a really nice memory from one of our absolute favorite places. Cool. That was, so that's, a, that's the number one highlight, would you say? I would say that's my son's highlight. He talks about Banos a lot. That's cute. That's yeah, his so the default, you know, South American town is Banos. There was a dinosaur train there, for <laughs> God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our real highlight was actually our very next stop, which was the Galapagos Islands. Oh, okay. So I can probably guess what was amazing about that, but I need you to tell me. It, it was um, just walking among animals that weren't afraid of you, that... Um, you know, you'd never see anywhere else. Um, just the uniqueness of the, the location. Um, one of the most memorable um, moments for me was uh, walking. You're, so you're in small groups. You're in groups of 15 uh, or less um, due to regulations and, and things like that. And you're with a guide. So you do a lot of landings on different islands or different locations on islands. And we were waiting for a group to come out of an area that we were going to go look at. this kind of lagoon um, that had flamingos. And so as this group came out and we passed them on the path, they were like, no, there's n- you know not much to see. And, and you know, there's some flamingos at the other end of the lake. And so we walked down and, you know, the kid, our, our two kids and then another two sets of, or another set of kids that were uh, in our group were yapping as they always do, uh, make a noise and, our our guide all of a sudden says, shh, shh, stop, stop. And there were flamingos crossing uh, at the end of the path, where the, where the path ended at the lake, um, within two meters of the end of the path. And they just walked by us. And we, they we oink. Them. Yeah, they, they make this little oink, oink. snorty sound. And Weird. They were drinking and, you know, eating the, the shrimp from the, the crustaceans from from the water and it was a juvenile with them, so we got to see the difference between the juveniles and the adults. But they, they were just walking around in front of us. And uh, it was we stood there for probably 25 minutes, watching them kind of come back and forth. This group was moving in front of us, and, and uh, it was just magical. It, it, it just really encapsulated the magic of the place. I can't even imagine. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, it's phenomenal. My magical moment was snorkeling. Oh. Below me was a reef shark. To my left was a green sea turtle larger than my coffee table. Holy cow. To my right was a twirling sea lion, and there were angel fishes flitting past my face. Wow. Was that in the Galapagos Islands that as well? That was in the Galapagos Islands as well. So it's a magical place you would recommend people go. Well, so back to our, our the kids' curriculum. Is yes. <laughs> the short answer is yes. Yeah. Back to our, our kids' curriculum where science would take care of itself. So one of our kids received their science degree in the Galapagos <laughs> Islands. <laughs> so you already have a biologist in the family. That's great. She yeah. better be. <laughs> or a zoologist or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, one of them is not going to be able to go to university because of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's fascinating. So, so after the Galapagos Islands, was that from there going into South America? So, that w- so Ecuador is in South America. Oh, sorry. Yes, yep. that's right. And then we flew from the Galapagos, we flew to Lima. And that was actually an interesting period of time. So that was in early April of 2017 when there was the mudslides. Right. And so 
Mike and I had really debated about how we were going to get from Quito to Lima because we had some friends and my parents meeting us again in Lima. And so we had a date that we absolutely had to be in Lima. And the bus, in, the buses in Ecuador are quite sketchy, the, the long haul ones where there's a lot of accidents. Actually, in Ecuador, the, the main um, cause of death is car accidents because wow. the, the roads are a little insane. Sure. And so there was a 40-hour bus ride from Quito to Lima. And so we were debating how we wanted to get there. And we decided to fly. And it turned out to be a good decision because the mudslides wiped out the Pan American Highway for a number of weeks while we were there. And so had we had planned to take the bus, we would not have been able to do so. That there was, it was not possible at that moment to get from Ecuador to Peru because the all the roads were, were wiped out and they're still actually rebuilding. It, now the, the highway is possible, but there there's big sections of Peru that got wiped out by by all the floods that happened. And that wasn't a factor in your decision. You didn't, that didn't happen No, this, we made this decision in Nicaragua. Oh, we were, okay. We, uh, we were laying in bed one night debating the merits of, of uh, busing it or, or flying. And, you know, flights aren't cheap. And th- there's, in my mind, there, there was value in the experience of bus travel. It builds character. The, exactly. The, the, you know, the real, this is the, this is South America. This is your bus in South America, and so it, it was. Um, I won. You absolutely, <laughs> and it was the I right decision. <laughs> it was the right, and in the end, we made that decision a few times where we looked at the route, we looked at our recommendations from people that had done it before, and um, you know, from in in Bolivia, from La Paz to Uyuni, where we went to the salt flats. Same thing from Santiago to. Um, Buenos Aires, same thing. You know, we we so made we that booked call a lot a of last-minute cheap flights. Yeah, and and I'm not going to take us through every country, but maybe just quickly, you went from uh, Quito to Peru. Yep. And then and then what? Where did your path take you? We went across to Cusco and Machu Picchu, and uh, we flew there again with uh, with Jocelyn's parents. Uh, we did kind of land travel um, through the rest of Peru into Bolivia. Um, into La Paz, uh, went into the Salt Flats and took uh, traveled by land across the Salt Flats to uh, Chile and then uh, down by land through Chile uh, to Santiago, which is about midway through um, Chile and then across to Buenos Aires. And that's where you ended the trip in Argentina. Right. Yep. So tell now that's a lot of ground to cover. That's like three, four months. Thirty thousand kilometers total. Jeez. And so, what were some of the highlights? Uh, was it was it the natural beauty of some of these countries? Was it the old ruins? Was it the big cities? What were some of the things that really came to mind for you? Well, we've already talked about two of our highlights: staying in Nicaragua and doing the homestay and the language school. And another big highlight was the Galapagos. And then beyond that, going to Machu Picchu was really mind-blowing. That it, uh, the stories that you hear about it, it is as good as they tell. Yeah. It, it was really, really neat to see. And not only Machu Picchu, but the Sacred Valley in general. You know, there's ru- there, are, there are ruin sites all the way down the valley, and you, c- you can spend weeks, you know, exploring it and, and, and seeing the different sites. So <coughs> you, you've done this amazing thing. 
for your for yourselves and it's you know it's not I wouldn't say it's unique people travel all the time but you took time out of your lives to do it if you had it to do again well first of all would you do it again are you planning to do the the spreading out of the salary over a couple of years and, and and do an experience like this again depends who you ask i have a hashtag russia 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Mike has asked me not to mention any travel-related hashtags for at least a couple months. You've, you've just got home. We slept in 45 different beds. Holy cow. We took 14 different flights, which I'm sure took a year off all of our lives. Sure. Um, it, it's exhausting. Um, you know, we, we, we paced it as best we could. We, you know, we would spend a week to two weeks um, in, a, in a location but it still is exhausting. So I, I'm, I'm tired. Um, you know, I'm happy to have my own bed and, and uh, the things that I know, the places that I know, you know, all, all of the comforts of, of being in one place in, in your home. Yeah, it, it also um, limits the four years leading up. It kind of limits you as well. You know, right. there, there are things that we've, you know, it was a deferred salary, but we've deferred things that we would like to do as well. Um, you know, some things in the house, some, you know, uh, savings that, you know, we were saving 20% of our salary for four years, but we weren't able to save that for, you know, long-term investments or, you know, long-term savings. Right. So, um, there, there are things that I want to do in that time. And, uh, maybe by the end of that, I'll be ready for another one. And you don't, you're not totally in agreement. It sounds like my bags are packed. <laughs> <laughs> the bug is, let's the bug go is again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's also the kids too. They're going to be, um, you know, if we, if we started again, they would be in grade going into grade seven yep. and going into grade six. And then the stakes are different for them, right? Because they're closer with their friends. They're starting to become young adults and, yep. and they have their own unique needs and demands, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, people who might be thinking about embarking upon an experience like this, is there any advice you would give them, something that you've learned or some things that you've learned on your travels and even preparing for your travels? You know, actually, the most unexpected thing that we learned on this trip is how much the four of us like being together. Cool. And, you know, I, there there were fights. I'm not going to, to say it was perfect harmony all the time, but... Never had the four of us spent that much time together where there was always work or school or daycare or meetings or, you know, I'm going to go out to go see this thing. And there was all these things that brought us apart and allowed us to have time apart. And when you have extended time together, you can't run away from things. You really have to face them and you know, if somebody is having a bad day, you have to work through that with them rather than just step back and let them have their bad day because you're in it together. Wow. And it, it actually was very almost painful for me to go back to work and to be separated from them um, in that respect because it, it we, we almost became a super organism where we we're really much in tune with one another and it, uh, it we, we got along far better than I thought we would. Yeah. Jocelyn and I spend the summers together. We're, we're, we're both in the education field. And so July and August, typically, we're, we're home with the kids. You know, we're, again, we're that, we're, we're, we're together all the time. And usually by the middle of August, 
we're all kind of ready to go back to our lives, get, <laughs> you know, have some have some more alone time. And so that was a concern that I had. I was like, you know, this is going to be seven months. Is, is this going to blow things up or, or, you know, are we going to... But no, it was, we, we really did uh, uh, build bonds through that. That concludes the second and last part of my discussion with Jocelyn and Mike. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats wherever you download your podcasts and make sure you leave us a review. That would help us out a lot. You can also follow and like us on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can also hear The Expats and other great shows on the fantastic G Radio. Visit gradio.ca to discover new and excellent content today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. (laughs) 